Thanks, Dan. All right, kids can head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And let me say happy Thanksgiving uh, to everyone who uh, is here this morning. I, uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with friends and family and um, so thankful for this church and thankful for uh, what God's up to in, in each of your lives and in our collective life as Redemption Hill Church. Um, so uh, this morning, I, I want to invite you to open your copy of God's Word to the book of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 6 this morning, and starting in verse 1. And as you uh, turn there, I want us to think about what it means to choose your God. Choose your God. I don't know if anyone had this experience, but at times uh, at Thanksgiving, you know, when you gather family together, uh, there, there's, I mean, hopefully just a lot of love, a lot of great food. Anyone enjoy a little too much food Thanksgiving? Come on. You can confess your sins to God and one another here this morning. Thank you. Uh, I see some high hands there. Oh, yeah, that's honest. Um, but, but, you know, just to get together with family is a great time. And, um, you know, at the same time, sometimes you just never know, like, how the day is going to go or what you're going to get, right? And so um, I was actually reading this arg- article that uh, reminded me of, of, of an experience or two in my own family where uh, basically the, the, it was like a sat- sat- satirical uh, article about uh, basically like how to have a, a great Thanksgiving. And the suggestions were ways to make awkward moments uh, in your family Thanksgiving. And so uh, usually how this works is someone brings up an uncomfortable topic. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it may just be kind of like the, the, the skeleton in the closet or, you know, just uh, maybe some kind of cultural, you know, uh, relevant like po- politics or something that just can be divisive, right? And where maybe we're just not going to see eye to eye or it's just going to bring a level of awkwardness or discomfort into the room. Has anyone ever been there with your family? family. That's what I thought. And so we've probably all been there at some point. And uh, this morning feels a little bit like a continuation of that, all right? Uh, As we get into this idea of choosing our God, uh, what we're talking about is choosing to follow God, uh, the only God, the true God, or uh, to follow the God of money. And and so I just feel like as a pastor, you know, like in, in America especially, The elephant in the room is the topic of money in the church. And why is this? Why is this? I hope everyone will lock in and really, uh, actually, let me just pray. I just want to pray and ask God to give us humble hearts because when we talk about this topic, um, we usually just kind of quickly dismiss or we assume it's for someone else. So let's just pray. God, I just pray that today, uh, Lord, that you would speak to us. This wouldn't be about a person on a stage, but it would be about opening your truth and your word and hearing from you what, what Jesus has said about this important topic. So God, would you give us humility? God, give us soft hearts to receive today. And Lord, that uh, it just wouldn't be something that comes in our ear and out the other side, God, but it would hit our heart. And so change us that we would actually live differently uh, today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives as we follow Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you. I hope that helps. Um, so so uh, why is this the elephant in the room? I think there are some, some 
probably obvious reasons, and some of these are very understandable reasons. I think even maybe legit concerns, right? On the one hand, you have people that are just generally skeptical when pastors talk about money. I mean, even myself, I, I see uh, certain, you know, uh, books out there or, you know, pastors on TV, and it's, you know, it's all about sowing your seed so that, you know, you give your thousand dollars at church, and God's going to give you the million, you know, because we're going to pray over you, and we're going to do all this. And, and so uh, some people call that the health and wealth gospel or the prosperity gospel, which is, uh, by the way, no gospel at all. It's just not true. And so uh, there, there can be a, a, a general, even maybe a healthy skepticism, right? Uh, but I think as this text is going to show you, uh, and hopefully we just share the heart of Christ in this, um, as a church, we want to stick to what Jesus has said, and what we're going to discover is that God is not so much concerned about your money, he's concerned about you, right? He wants you, and, and so I think, you know, skepticism can be a part of that. Uh, a couple of others, you know, maybe, maybe there's a, a bit of, like, feelings of, of guilt or shame, you know? It's just like, man, I haven't done great in this area, I've been a little on the selfish side of things, not super generous, and so maybe there's just, like, this sense of, like, man, I haven't... I haven't arrived, I'm not doing great in this area, and so we feel a measure of guilt or shame, uh, and God just wants to free you from that today as well. But then a couple of others, I think, and, and hopefully we'll just kind of debunk each of these concerns as we move throughout the sermon. Um, one is like the, the privatization of faith, you know? It's like, I'm, this is my thing, I'm going to do me, you do you, and it's like, in the church, of course, like if you're following Jesus, I'm following Jesus, then we're, then we're good with each other. But, but like when we follow Jesus, when it comes to our pocketbook, um, then it's like I'm, I'll do me and, and you do you. So what's up with that? Uh, and then finally, finally, um, we, we tend to get a bit protective in this area. This is, kind of gets to the, the privacy piece. Like, let's not talk about that because um, I, I, don't, I don't want you to, like, peer into how I handle my money because what's really going on is that I want to build walls around, um, you know, how I do what I do and, and how I spend and, and how I save, maybe we're saving, uh, maybe giving. Uh, but, right, and, and why is that? And I think this is why, as one pastor said, people get very uncomfortable when you start messing with their God. We, 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 get, very, we get very defensive, we get very protective over that which we value the most, right? Do, do something to my kids, like threaten my kids, I'm up in arms, Right? Start talking about my money, mm -mm, let's not talk about that. And so the, the idea today, the, 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 the encouragement today is to choose your God. Will God be God or will money be God? And I, and I think what we can see here in Jesus' words in Matthew, the beginning of, 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 of Matthew chapter 6 and, and then another section later in the chapter is uh, we have some of Jesus' strongest words against Perhaps the God of American culture. Can I just say that today? If, if you're American, listen up. If you now live in America, listen up too. You know, like, it's the God of materialism, the God of personal possessions and 
seeking wealth. And so what I want us to be encouraged toward today is is this key idea that, that we can worship our way out of the American dream by giving more to God, okay? Worship our way out of the American dream by giving more to God. Let me read the first four verses of Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus, Jesus says. And we just read the words of Jesus, and we just read the words of God and the Bible. We let the Bible speak for itself. We don't skip tough topics. We just try to hear what he said and live accordingly. So the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now skip down to verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says, you cannot, cannot, cannot serve God and How do we worship our way out of the American dream? I want to give us three encouragements that flow from this passage, from the words of Jesus to help us get to this place where money doesn't have such a hold on us, but God has a hold of us and we we spend and we save and we give according to his plans for our lives. Okay, the first one is this, give for the pleasure of God, not the praise of people. All right, give for the pleasure of God, not for the praise of people. So what's going on here in chapter 6? We've been working our way through Jesus' longest and most famous sermon recorded in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. And we saw in, in, in the last three weeks that Jesus was building on this idea of those who follow him must have an exceeding righteousness, and a righteousness that surpasses that of the most religious people that people... Uh, you know, were new in their day, the, the scribes and Pharisees. And, and what the scribes and Pharisees had was an external devotion to God and how they were living their life before God and before others, but on the inside, they were empty. On the inside, it, there was a disconnect. And so Jesus says, um, look, you need to be, uh, have a righteousness that flows from the inside out. 
And so where he goes in, in verse 1 of chapter 6 is really expounding what he's been saying in chapter 5 about exceeding righteousness, okay? And he goes on and he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And so Jesus gives this word of warning that is building off of what he's already said about this better righteousness, this greater righteousness that flows from a heart that's being changed by God. And so what we need to see is this, okay? Jesus says, practice righteousness. In other words, live a particular kind of way where your life is characterized by not only right actions, but by right motivations. And the problem with the Pharisees and the scribes and and these people that looked really good on the outside but weren't so great on the inside is that they had right actions, but they had wrong motivations. And so Jesus calls them, in very blunt terms, hypocrites. These religious leaders were nothing more than hypocrites. The word hypocrite comes uh, from from, uh, a term that was referring to Greek actors, where they would come on stage and they would wear a mask. And then they would play a part with the mask, and then they would go off stage and they would grab another mask, and they would wear that for a while and play a different role. And so Jesus says that, that those who are hypocrites, those who are doing things to, be, to look good in the sight of other people, they're nothing more than actors. There's something false. There's something, listen, fake about their spirituality. And I just love that we're going through the Sermon on the Mount because, listen, I don't want to be a fake Christian. And I don't want to pastor a church full of a bunch of fake Christians, right? We want to be the real deal. We want to be sincere, right? We, we, we see falsehood and, and, and fakeness all around us. In fact, it's kind of funny. My daughters these days, um, they've been, I, I hear them talking about, oh, Kessid, you're acting fake. You're being fake, right? And this is actually coming from my four-year-old, all right? And she's like, this is so hilarious because, um, you know, she actually is picking up on the fact that, like, Kessid and Parker, who are emulating mom and dad, um, when we talk to our baby brother, Titus, or our son, uh, we talk in a different voice, you know? And so I say, hey, do I need to demonstrate for you? Matt wants some. Matt wants It's my big boy, man. Look at he's so cute, man. It's like, ah. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not doing a good job. Anyway, you get the, you get the idea. I'll stop right there. Um, so, so Jordan's like, she's like calling out like, Kessie, you sound so fake. You're being fake. And then, and then there's a new reality that's really messing me up, also attached to our four-year-old. Okay, check out this picture here. Do you see this picture? Every time I walk by her baby doll in Titus's chair, it's just like, I thought you were upstairs, man. Like, how'd you get down here? The fate, like, I mean, just next slide. Just like, look at that. I mean, it's just like out of the corner of your eye, you know what I'm saying? It's like, how do you, like, Jordan, stop doing that. It's like fake Titus, you know? It's like. So Jesus says, don't be fake. Don't be false. Be the real thing. 
Make sure that your, your righteousness is flowing from the inside out. And listen, I love this. See, we, if we're going to practice righteousness, then it's going to happen out there. You know, like people are actually going to see it. If you're living the life that God calls you to live, people will see it. And so what Jesus is saying is not like only do good things by yourself, like where no one can see it. He's saying, don't do it for the sake of others. Don't do it for the sake of them congratulating you and applauding you, right? So, so now we see the, the, the connection uh, between what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, as he's introducing the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So let your good works shine before others that people may see your good deeds. Listen, there's no contradiction between Jesus saying, let your light shine and don't do it for the sake of the applause of others, right? Because we said one is inevitable influence. One is because I'm following Jesus. This is the way I'm living my life, and I will just overflow. I will just, because I'm so in tune with God, because I'm humble before God and seeking his righteousness and being pure in heart, then I will overflow with the character and the fruit of God. But, but the other that, that is false and fake is one that's contrived, right? The, the, when we practice our righteousness to be seen by other people, then we're forcing it. You see, one is full of joy, one is joyless. And so Jesus gives this principle to get us going. And, and now what's going to happen after verse 1 is he's going to give three examples, okay? Not exhaustive examples of all the ways that we practice righteousness, but he's given three common ones that were central to worship of the Jewish people, okay? Giving, prayer, and fasting. And so what does he say about giving? He says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And so Jesus lays out this pattern. When you pray, give fast. He says, don't do it to be seen by other people, but do it in this particular kind of way, right? So this is, we're going to see this pattern all throughout chapter 6. But giving was the expectation. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting in verse 11, uh, this is what Moses said in the law, for there will, be, there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. And so part of being a follower of, of God was to meet the needs of those around you. So this was an expectation, right? And it's not like, hey, maybe, you know, Jesus wants me to help someone out on occasion. Like, no, this is just the expectation of our lives, that we're meeting the needs of those around us. But what I find interesting is, is Jesus is not focused so much on whether or not a person is giving, but he's focused on how they're giving. He says you'll give in one of two ways. You will either give for self-glory or you will give for God's glory. Those who give for self-glory sound a trumpet before them as if to let everyone know, like, hey, look at how generous I am. 
Everyone, if you want to know what it's like to love God, then just look at me. Watch me pull out my checkbook and, and sign a big check right here and drop it in the collection box as I walk out so that then, you know, like whether it happens then or later, or they're just thinking it in their minds. Hey, man, that guy, he's such a, he's such a generous person. Oh, man, shouldn't we all want to be like him? He just, and he gives, and he gives of himself, and wow, he's so sacrificial. Look at, look at how great he is. And Jesus says, look, if, if that's your motivation, then you better enjoy the applause and the praise now because that is the only reward you will ever see. Wow. This is, this is I love the Sermon on the Mount. I just love it. Thank you, God, for leading us to go to the Sermon on the Mount this year as we talk about the fullness of God overflowing, the fullness of God in us overflowing through us. Why? Because Jesus is always concerned about the heart. God is concerned about your heart. And so what's happening is that we give because our hearts have been changed, and that is when we're doing it for the goodness of, 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 of those around us, those who actually have real needs, we're meeting those needs as we give to them, but then also we're glorifying God, saying, hey, listen, this is not about me. In fact, it's never about me. It's always about you. It's always about showing how great you are, God. Like, God wants to, 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 to peel back the layers uh, that are... That are uh, maybe hardened toward him or hardened toward his desires for us to get to a place where we're soft-hearted before him, where, where we're saying, like, everything that I'm doing, I'm doing it not for myself, but I'm doing it for you. This is what verse 3 is talking about when he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The idea is like a, a total disregard for self. It's not that, it's not that um, we have to, like, put a disguise on whenever we do something good. That's not it. It's also not that we never talk about money in the church or with people that we love, our friends and our family that are walking with us to be like Jesus. That's not, this isn't like, a, we're not swearing our, ourselves to secrecy when it comes to money. Because if we did that, we would have to never pray together, Right? He's going to say the same thing about praise. He's going to say the same thing about a fasting. The, the, the issue is not that you do it. The, the issue is how you do it. And by the way, let me say this. If, if we kind of played by the rules that most people in the church play by, like let's not talk about money, then what we're doing is shortchanging the very areas that, that God wants us to really get at a heart level with, right? Because God is concerned about our hearts. Do you, do you see that? Do you understand that? And so I would just say this, uh, most of us, the bigger issue for us is not verses one through four. The bigger issue for most of us is verses 19 through 24. One through four is about giving and how we give. And quite frankly, probably most of us, probably, most of us. Hey, did you know the American Christian on average give is roughly 2 to 3% of their income?
I want to say this with all the love in my heart. That's sad. That's sad. And, and listen, I, I say that. Listen, I say that as a pastor, right? I almost like feel like sitting. I'm going to sit down for a minute. Listen, I say that as a pastor that I know that's the reality for many people in this room. So I'm just like, I'm sitting down because it's like coffee, coffee time. Just grab a seat, pull up a chair, latte, not cappuccino for me. Sorry. Do you, like, do you hear my heart? We're the wealthiest nation on the planet. I mean, you know, you can, you can quibble and say we're like 17th, 18th, whatever. We've been given so much. And, like, forget about, like, really what I want to say, forget about, like, the American piece for a minute. Can we just focus on Jesus? We've been given so much in Christ. And we would say, God, you can have my time. You can have my abilities. You can have my relationships, but not my money. Something needs to change. To follow Jesus is to follow Jesus. You hear me? It's like like to follow him. (laughs) To, To just, like... If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He's not, is, nothing is exempt. Every part of our lives, how, like, where we work, how we work, what we earn from our work, And so, we not only give for the pleasure of God, but we give for the praise of God from a life of worship. That's what these verses are about. And we talk, when we talk about worshiping our way out of the American dream through giving more to God, this is what Jesus is talking about right here. I would just humbly ask you to, to keep, like, forget about Pastor Tanner, Right? Think Jesus. Read the words of Jesus again and again and again. And what he's doing here in in such a wise, sage kind of way, as as the wisest teacher, he gives three different ways of saying the very same thing. The the giving should flow from a life of praise. It should flow from a life of worship. And so let me just, Craig Blomberg says this, all right? And just, he says, how we handle money is the most important test case of our profession, of our discipleship. In other words, you say you follow Jesus, let me see how you spend your money. Do you spend your money primarily on you? Or do you spend your money 
on kingdom values, on, on kingdom concerns for the sake of other people. And then he goes on to say this. He says, materialism is the single biggest competitor with authentic Christianity for the hearts and souls of millions in our world today. And I do not disagree. So that's like, that's why, that's why Pastor Tanner's getting a little, even more maybe, I don't know, maybe passionate's not the word, but just a little more heartfelt honest this morning. Because I have a responsibility before God to care for you. And I have a responsibility before God. If this is one of the chief idols of our day, if I don't tell it to you straight, then I'm on the hook for that. So let me give you three kind of principles that flow in this all one point of worship out of worshiping our, our way into the heart of God, giving as a response of worship, okay? Number one, your heart follows your treasure, okay? Heart follows treasure. So, so Jesus says very clearly, do not lay up for yourself. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. So, so in other words, Jesus is saying, when he's talking about uh, earthly treasure. He's talking about any possession, any created good, not just dollars and cents that's in the bank account, all right? He's talking about anything that, any asset that belongs to us, okay? He's saying that all of those assets are temporal. They're ephemeral. They're here one day, gone the next. They're, they're valuable one day, not so valuable the next. But he says that heavenly treasure is, is storing, storing up heavenly treasure is using material resources for the physical and the spiritual needs of other people. That's, that's, it's either one or the other. How we will spend our money, it is to, and listen, listen, let me just be clear. This can also be like paying your bills, right? I'm not saying like give 97% of your money away and like buck the, like reverse the trend, 2 to 3%. Now it's got to be 97 to 98. That's not the point of the sermon, right? But the point is, are we, are we giving in such a way that shows that our values match the values of God? Our hearts match the heart of God. 1 Timothy 6 says this. And follow along on screen, verse 6 of chapter 6, but godliness with contentment, sorry, I forgot to put the slide up, so just listen carefully, I was going to and then I didn't do it, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so just a few thoughts here. Number one, Jesus wants a heart that's content before him. Like, if I'm honest, can I just be honest this morning? Um, I, I read this part about moths destroying, and I think about clothes, and I think, what, really? Like, you're coming after my clothes, Jesus? 
which really shows how American I am. That, that, that I would kind of disregard that because you, you see, do you see the point? We, we live so far beyond the level of necessity. We live so far above the level of necessity. How many shirts are in your closet? How many things do you have that you don't really need? And, and this, like, how, how much do I have? Like, honestly, it's hard to get up and talk about this, not only because I know that only, like, the grace of God, like, helps a person receive this message. It's hard for me to talk about because I've got too many shirts in my closet. Per, perhaps... Marsha and I are not as generous as we ought to be. Perhaps we're not praying about our own finances and how we could level up our giving, not only to this church, but to people around us that have needs or chasing after other kingdom endeavors. These, These are hard words because God is after our heart. Randy Alcorn, in his excellent little book, The Treasure Principle, the key Principle number two is this. Our heart always goes where we put our money. So, so Jesus is saying, what you value, your heart's going to chase after it. You value God, your heart will chase after him. You value God, he'll be your greatest voc- focus. You value stuff, you'll think about stuff all the time. I mean, just to give you a trite example, you know, it's like Black Friday and we didn't go out shopping, you know, just, we avoided that. And not, not to say, like, hey, look at us. We didn't spend a lot of money on Black Friday. I don't I mean, Marsha got a few things online, sure. Um, good deals, hopefully. Hopefully they were good deals. There were some percent off there, I'm sure. Um, but uh, but, but, but I, we got to thinking about, just, is there anything that we need that, um, you know, just need? Like, wow. Because the funny thing is, like, we have this, like, uh, I don't know, like $15 coffee pot. And we've talked about like getting something different or better that makes better coffee, and and then you know like maybe we should just keep the pot, you know, saying it works. Um, but but then I got to, to to thinking like, man, those lattes at, at Mystic Coffee, like what if what if I could just start making those, you know what I'm saying? And and so I started researching espresso makers, you know, and and then and I didn't I didn't go to you know like all the websites and. I started going to Let Go and Facebook Marketplace and seeing you know, where I could maybe find it. But, but here's the point. I started, I started thinking about I started researching. I, I started playing out scenarios in my mind of, of where we were going to put it and, and, and like how difficult it was going to be to you know, get the, the, the grinds and to get the, you know, the flavor shots. And, and it's just like your heart chases after whatever you're focused on, right? In a very trite way, but... But we just, just, just zoom that out. Or maybe just zoom that into a thousand other areas of our lives. And, and, and where, where we treasure, our heart's going to follow that. And this is what Jesus is saying with the other two examples. He says, not only your heart follows your treasure, but your health follows your vision. So he says, the eye is the, the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, then your whole body is going to be full of light. Can you imagine we just turned all the lights out in this room and you, you couldn't see? You would, you, you, there was no light coming into the eye, so you, you wouldn't be able to navigate the room at all, right? 
You would have to feel your way around. It would be very difficult, right? And hopefully you wouldn't get hurt. But Jesus is saying, like, when, when our eye is focused on God and his kingdom, when we are, by the way, at the end of chapter 6, when we're seeking first the kingdom of God, then our whole body will be full of light. We'll see things the way that he wants us to see them. We'll live accordingly because our focus, our vision is in the right place. Therefore, we will be generous. We will be practicing righteousness in a way that glorifies him, not ourselves. And so where is your focus? My mentor used to say, you can tell a lot about a person by watching their eyes. I want to write that down. You can tell a lot about a person by watching their eyes. Well, you remember we talked about anger and lust. Anybody forget about that sermon? Uh, and, and now, like, what we value, what we're going after, right? Our heart is going to follow it. It's going to reveal what's going on on the inside. It's going to be a guide for us as we focus on God. And then finally, your devotion follows your love. In verse 24 of... Matthew 6, when Jesus says money, the Greek word is maybe, you've read it in the King James Version, mammon, and that refers to all material possessions. And so Jesus is saying money, material possessions cannot be your master. It's a total allegiance kind of thing. Again, it's choose your God. Either you will be devoted to God or you will be devoted to possessions, So God is after our hearts. He wants us. And so, so how can, let's just get practical for a, a bit to wrap this thing up. But like, how can we worship our way out of materialism? By giving more. Let, let, let me say another principle from Randy Alcorn. He says this, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Think about that. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. And by the way, let me just, I mean, one more time, one more time, because I'm not sure like how, I know this is a heavy topic, but I'm just not sure how tuned in everyone is. Because some of you are thinking like, well, Pastor Tanner, I give. Like, I help people in need. I give to the church. I help other people out in kingdom endeavors. I don't love money. All right, then, Give me half of what's in your bank. Anybody want to do that? You love it. We, we, I'm not like, oh, that's not rational. That's not reasonable. You're coming up with crazy examples. No, no, like what's your heart level response when someone says, like when you walk into a restaurant with a friend, let, let's just make it a little more practical, all right? When you walk into the restaurant with a friend, are you thinking, I can't wait to buy his meal? No. You're hoping they're going to buy yours. Why? Because you love money. Wake up, church. Come on, God, help us. Help us. Help me. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. And why is this so important? Right? Just a couple things, and I've got, to, I've got to land this plane, all right? A couple things. All right, this is so important because this reflects the heart of God. 
God is a giving God. God is always giving. When God created the world, he did it because he loves. It's an overflow and an outpouring of the love of God. When God redeemed us in Christ, when he sent his only son into the world, he did it because he loves us. So God is always giving. And this also reflects the gospel, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the gospel. Jesus becomes poor for us that we might become rich. He gives of himself so that we might have everything we could ever need and ever want. And so let me just give you a few practical encouragements as we wrap up. How, how do we do this? How do we, how do we move to mature giving? Here are just some principles. You might want to write them down. Right? You might want to write them down. Snap a picture at the end. Number one, we give first. So here's the simple encouragement. Do not give God your leftovers. Proverbs 3 talks about honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your produce and your wealth. And so, so there's a taxonomy when it comes to, 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 to biblical giving. It's give, save, spend, but most of the time as people, especially maybe American people, we reverse that. We spend what we want, we save a little, and then we give whatever is like left over. And the new normal of following Jesus is saying, because my heart belongs to God, I'm going to give to him first, and I'm going to meet the needs of those around me, and then I'm going to save wisely, and then I'm going to spend on, so like part of this, I know part of this, like we're so sometimes out of touch with even our own finances. We're just like not even, we're just not even keeping up with like how much is coming in, what's, what's going out to where, right? So we like, we need a budget to be able to give and to save and spend wisely. Number two, not only give first, but give voluntarily. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And then cheerfully, not because we have to, but because we actually love to. I mean, like, this is the kind of Christian this I want to be. I want to, I want to be a part of a church that just, like, loves to give. Like, let me give, and let me give some more, cheerfully. Then systematic. It's, it's regular. It's consistent. Proportionate. And listen, by the way, just as pastors, we really don't believe the New Testament says 10%. We just don't believe that. And you say, like, why? It's like, well, it's nowhere in the New Testament. And if you take the Old Testament type, it would actually be 33%, not 10%. So, so, so then what do you say? We would say like, well, as Christians, if, if 10% was, was going to the work of, of the temple and the priest and, and, and moving forward worship in their society, then why wouldn't we start it with 10 as a goal, right? And then even move beyond that as God enables us too. And so, um, again, the, the, the idea is that, wow, if, if the Old Testament saints were, were, were doing that as a tithe, like, why wouldn't we want to, want to give even more? But here's the beautiful thing. The idea is that everyone's contributing together. There's proportionality, right? That we're giving together to accomplish God's mission before us. Then also sacrificial. 
And I think this is, maybe this is why, listen, maybe this is why that um, God doesn't say, hey, 10% is because because we would just say, hey, here's my 10%. I'm good. And you know what we'd be? We'd be just like a Pharisee. C.S. Lewis says this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. So, So listen, in Christ, we need to at times certainly give until it hurts a bit. Right? And so listen, wherever you are, wherever you are on your giving. And let me just let me just say this. I, I know I've had a very serious tone. I've had a very honest and heartfelt tone. And I and I've told you why. I, I've told you why. But let me also say this. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that is giving that is meeting needs, that is like we've seen God provide more this year in terms of just our, our internal giving to the work of God through Redemption Hill. Like we're, ahead, we're further ahead than we've ever been to this point in the year, right? Like praise God, that's amazing. And I know like, we can clap about that. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Clap that. And, and I know I hear stories of like people going above and beyond for people in their group when there's a need. They're meeting that need out of above and beyond giving that God's entrusted to them. That's what this is about. And so I just will close with this. Listen, the reason I've, the reason I've shared not only the, the text because it was the next one in the flow between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, that wasn't the timing plan. It was just Matthew chapter 6. That's where we are today. But the reason I've shared in the way that I've shared is because to, to do anything less would be to rob you of your joy. You hear that? To rob you, like, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. And so when our heart lines up with the heart of God, when we're treasuring him above everything else, then we're going to give, and we're going to give, and we're going to give. So that God might be glorified, and that the needs of those around us might be met. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ that changes us from the inside out, that helps us not love money, that helps us not love anything more than you. God, I pray that you would start with me. God, show me how I can give more to people in need. God, show me how I can give more to Worthy kingdom endeavors. God, show Marcia and I how we can even give more to this church, God. That, that we're cruising way past the, the internal goal that we set at the beginning of the year, $345,000 internally given. But we said in the vision sermon that we wanted to see you to be $400,000. Like, God, if we would just all play our part, we can probably exceed that over the next, what, five weeks. And so, God, however you lead us, Lord, help us to just do it out of an overflow. 
that's being changed by the gospel of your grace. God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. We pray in Jesus' name.